0: And welcome back to another edition of On The Board Sports. I am your host, Will Chirucci, a.k.a. Will C, coming to you from Gotham Podcast Studios here in Manhattan, New York. And I'm joined by the wonderful Mike Ortiz, controlling the ones and twos behind the glass here at Gotham. He's giving the thumbs up. He's a great guy. And there's a lot of squalls going on in the city of New York on this hump day, but that's why they're here and they're there. We're here right now talking sports, and I want to talk to you about today and joined by my wonderful co-host sean thomas aka sean t over the phone sean how are you
1: well i am doing well but will you already know what time it is only one living thing is better than me and you on a wednesday will do you know what that is
0: i know what it is but i want you to say it just because what is it buddy
1: it is a camel on home day, Will. That's the only living thing better than me and you on a Wednesday. How are you doing,
0: sir? I'm doing good, man. Can't complain. Lots to talk about here today. But before we go into some topics today, I am joined by two very special guests in studio. And they know each other pretty well. Uh, joining me in studio is the co-host of the Veterans Minimum podcast, Alan Sterk. And from the Brodo Fantasy podcast, Tim Petrip. Gentlemen, how are you? What's up? Thank What's you, man. What's up, man? man?
2: How you doing? I got to give a little yay, yay for those people who <laughs> <that> are familiar. <laughs> that's it. We're excited, man, excited. This is a nice place. It's, uh, it's cozy in here, man. Got the got the whole setup in here. I'm, let's do this. Uh, that's I'm ready what to got, go. Gotham is all about being cozy and being
0: comfortable. That's the main thing. That's so they, they do a very good job of that here. Gentlemen, bef- like I said, before we get into the sports topics, I want to know how you guys got into sports, number one, you know, just playing sports in general and how you guys got into your podcast. Alan, I know you from the neighborhood. We grew up together in Whitestone. It's about a three year age difference between us, but we know a couple of a couple of heads that, you know, that brought us together in this fabulous, fabulous game called Life. And, you know, I know you're a Falcons fan. So we'll start off with you. How'd you get into being a Falcons fan, number one? And number two, how'd you get into doing what you're doing right now?
3: So my brother grew up a Vikings fan, and I remember I was four years old or not five years old because the nfc championship it's the 98 season going to 99 season so it's falcons vikings nfc championship and even though my brother and i are best friends we try to support each other i don't know why like when the vikings collapsed i just enjoyed it (laughs) and the falcons (laughs) pulled through they did the dirty bird dance jamal anderson dan reeves that i remember super bowl was like the first full game i watched they got blown up by denver that was john elway's swan song and since then i just Between the Vic era, then now Matt Ryan, it's just... I just kind of stuck with it. So that's kind of like where I got this I guess fandom and then eventually transitioning into the media world just started doing podcasts with my buddy Aaron Freeman at the Falcon Fans Podcast in 2013 then eventually transitioning over to Falcon Hawk in 2015 just steadily looking to evolve and progress and then now it's just yeah I've been there for almost five years and still staying steady with the podcast where I was at it for a little bit just because I just I think you can't really force it when it comes to podcasts you either have chemistry or something or you don't so that's kind of like why you know now I'm going to veterans men with a buddy, Nick Davis, it's just finding that comfort there. So that's pretty much my whole story when it comes to sports. It's just, it's primarily football. I do love basketball. I do love MMA soccer. With football, I always considered number one.
0: I always remember my lasting image of you would be you at the NFL draft, right? And you would be wearing your Dirty Bird stuff. that you, you know, was your, like the last. Your like, Falcons uh, yeah. jerseys. Yeah. You know what I mean? I remember you just like, yeah, let's go. Let's go Falcons whenever they draft somebody. That's what I remember you the most,
2: Alan. Mm-hmm. You know? And Tim, how did you get into what you're doing right now? So uh, my fandom started with the Mets. Um, I used to stay with my grandfather during summers. And I used to lay on his belly and watch Mets games. So that's, you know, it's the Mets hold a close place in my heart. For mm-hmm. football, it's funny. We got into football at the exact same time because you know, remember, we said the Broncos blew them out in the Super Bowl? Yeah. They beat the Jets. Boomer, you know, right? To get there, yeah. right? So Vinny that Festeverde. was yeah, yeah. Oh, wasn't yeah, it Boomer Seizing? Was it was Vinny. It was Vinny. That was Sorry. our that was our first. Uh, that was my first experience. Like I went, I went to my uncle's house. We all watched the game together, and that's the day I became a Jet fan. Yeah. I, I should have known that it was going to be a whole bunch more heartbreak from that moment on. Um, but yeah, ever since I was a kid, like when I was like 11 years old. I would I would have a newspaper in my hand every day. I would read the sports page from front to back. So I always wanted to be a journalist, sports journalist. I uh went to school for sports journalism. I, I hosted my own show on WBMB, which was the Baruch College radio station. Uh, I was a sports editor for my college paper. Uh, unfortunately, I, I graduated in tw- 2011, which was the height of the recession. It was also like the height. It was like the time where media was starting to transition. Uh, they didn't really know what was going on. And it was kind of a natural ev- evolution with media because it went from the newspaper and the print industry into the digital industry. And it was not an easy transition. It was a very rough transition. So I had a job at the Daily News, and then the Daily News laid off half their workers. Anyone who didn't have 10 years' experience, I was one of those people. So um wrote articles here and there. And then Joe, Joe Santagato, shout out Joe Santagato, came to me with uh, wanting to get involved with his website called You Got Put On. That kind of fizzled out because not a lot of people had the writing experience, but I always had that yearning for talking on the mic. I feel like that was where I was very comfortable talking on a mic you know I, I also do some music, so a mic in front of my face I'm very comfortable with and um, we started a podcast veterans minimum um, we I did that for four years, uh, like Alan said, Alan and Nick are now holding the the flag for veterans minimum and uh I've transitioned to another one called the Brodo Fantasy Football Podcast because, you know, I'm more of a football guy more than anything now. So just concentrating on football and doing it with my bros and making some moves. We've got a website, brodofantasy.com. So if you're a fantasy football player, check it out, man. Absolutely, guys.
0: You know, you guys have worked hard. I know Sean is a Titans fan. So me, it's a funny story with Sean and I. Sean, I'm going to explain this to the guys here because I know you'll, you'll you'll agree with it. We met at Nassau Community College back in 2010. Uh, he was at the radio station there doing his thing with David Goldstein. David Goldstein was was the uh, the sports guy for Nas- at Nassau, and uh, you know I came onto the show. Sean and I and David we had great chemistry, and then two years later, things kind of you know we had to split because of what it had. I got called up for a local three apprenticeship program. I went, and about six years later. After that, I got out of the apprenticeship program, passed it, had my whole journeyman's card, everything like that. But we, I still loved sports and I still followed David and Sean. And when Sean had posted something on Instagram about how he wanted to get back in the radio, I said, Oh, okay, you know, let's do something. And I was the only one to message him back. And about a year and a half later, here we are at Gotham. Here I am, here we are talking to you guys about sports and it's you know it's really interesting it's a really interesting story hell yeah man you know that's the short that's the short end of, of the story you know but it's been a yeah, year and a half of good times
1: that, and the funny thing is like that post that like 100 likes 120 likes i'm like okay great like somebody's gonna comment. like 10 people are gonna say yeah sean let's do it and guys will was legit the only person <laughs> that said yeah let's do it and, Will, man, I believe in faith, man, so I thank God for you, and, you know, we get a chance to interview awesome, awesome folks like Adam and Tim, so yeah. thank you for being the only person to say yes, man. <laughs>
0: yeah, dude, anytime, man, you know, sometimes it all, all takes us one.
2: You know, they say, uh, whatever you believe in, God, Allah, the universe, whatever it is you believe in, he <laughs> slash she slash whatever you think works in mysterious ways. It does. Yeah. really does. really yeah. does, man. True. You know, let's... Let's move on
0: from, you know, how we all got together and everything like that <laughs> to the actual sports world right now. And, you know, it's it's funny how things work out, right? The NFL, the season is rapidly approaching its, its ending, and the playoffs are about to start up here. We're only in week 16 coming into the season right now. And there are a lot of – still a lot of mysteries right now that are st- – that still needs to be figured out, you know, what's going on with the Patriots right now with them. That's the perfect example. Uh, the Ravens, Lamar Jackson, he's having himself an MVP type year, but can he uh, be that guy to lead the Falcon, uh to Ravens, excuse me, I'm thinking of the Falcons with you. <laughs> I'm not sure. To, 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 your birds mess up? <laughs> yeah, to the, to the Super Bowl. And the Bills, the, probably the best team in New York right now, outside of the Islanders, but the Bills are doing their thing, you know. And in the NFC, what's going to happen in the NFC East? The Eagles and the Cowboys looks like they're going to be uh, playing a, a crazy game coming up for the division. The West still wide open. San Francisco dropped from the first seed all the way down to the 5th seed uh after last week's debacle against your Falcons Allen. Mm-hmm. So one of
2: the more confusing teams in the league is, Yes, yes
0: uh, that's accurate
3: Allen. description right yeah. there. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so I'm going to start off with Allen first because Allen is a like I said, you're a diehard Falcons fan, but you, your bread, both your guys, bread and butter, is football. Right? What, what is you know, who's been? I'm not going to start off with the favorite going into the playoffs because we kind of know who the favorite is, although we don't, but we do know who's going to be like that—that that surprising story in in the playoffs, a la the 0-9-10 Jets, the 2010 Seahawks, you know the, and even yes. The 2007 and 11 New York Giants. Mm -hmm. Who might that team be in
3: your eyes, guys? Realistically, I don't. Like, it's really hard. Like, I think the Cowboys have a Super Bowl caliber roster, but there's no way you could trust that coaching staff. They've just consistently made bad decisions in close games. You look at the Vikings game, look at the Patriots game, and situations where it just they did not, the play calling, between either being too overly reliant on Zeke Elliott or just, I don't know with Marty whether it was Mari Cooper being injured or stacked to make the right throw it just Dallas has so much talent and I would like to believe in them but it's just you're telling me to put my faith in Jason Garrett that's not happening mm-hmm. so uh, when it comes to surprise I just think AFC is so top heavy between the Patriots Ravens and Chiefs obviously not that in order I think Ravens Chiefs are probably you want to bank on them at this point but the NFC like even though they're one seed now, I still Seattle. Like I think it would be a shock if Seattle made it because so, they're so flawed. Like I look at their roster, they're being carried by Russell Wilson a couple starts here and there. I think it would be a genuine surprise if Seattle like made it out of the NFC because I think just they're so limited in certain areas, whether it's their defense or the offensive line. But I think if you were looking at a surprise, they would be the team that would surprise me.
2: I think yeah, the the, the first thing that pops in my mind is the Seahawks too, and it's not very often that you say hey, this number one seed is it's the weird. surprise team, but. <laughs> them getting the number one seed would be so beneficial to them because they're 10-0 all-time in front of the 12s mm-hmm. at home in mm-hmm. the playoffs, right? So you're talking about if they get a bye, then they only have two games at home to get to the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. So that's a team, and w- I, I, there's no better quarterback to have in those situations than Russell Wilson. So if there's a team you're looking at, and you an, another team that I'm looking at that you mentioned already, the Bills. Um, going into the season... Uh, I remember Michael Robinson of the NFL Network saying the Bills were going to win the AFC East and Twitter having a fucking... Go ahead. Am I I allowed to do that? You can go ahead and do it. It's okay. (laughs) Twitter having a shitstorm all over him, right? So, and now here they are. And that coaching staff has them so ready to play every, every week. And I think the most important part of the Bills is they know exactly who they are. Exactly. Such a big part of the NFL is identity and not be making other teams play to your caliber of football. That's what the Patriots have been doing for years and years and years and years. And the Bills are taking a, a bite out of that playbook a little bit. They know exactly who they are in offense. They're not going to, they're not going to blow you out, but they're going to m- meticulously matriculate the ball down the field <laughs> and on defense they have one of the best secondaries in the league they have a they have budding superstars all over the place that you're seeing shine Ed Oliver was I love I love that <laughs> pick when it happened it's looking like a great pick now Um, the closest thing to Aaron Donald that you can get that's not Aaron Donald yeah. um, so I think the Bills have a shot to to make some noise as a surprise team that might make a run especially because the ASC is top heavy but <laughs> if Lamar Jackson has a bad game. Are the Ravens guaranteed to win a game? I don't know what they are. You know, uh, if the Patriots, they can't score, you know? And then the rest of the AFC is kind of like the the, uh, the Chiefs. They have their flaws. Yeah. They're flawed teams there. So mm-hmm. the Bills might be able to make a run.
0: Absolutely. Sean, I know you want to you dig in on this because I know your Titans are literally right there on the cusp of doing something pretty good. Even though the numbers might not dictate it, they're on the cusp of doing something good, trying to get into the playoffs and trying to make something
1: happen out of nothing. That was a brutal loss on Sunday because we played the Saints Sunday coming up. And the Saints are still trying to win games to either get the one seed or the two seed. So and then week seventeen, we play Houston again. So that was a brutal loss. Not looking good um um uh for my team. But if I had to pick one team well to answer the question, it would be the Chiefs because the defense has is playing way better than it has outside of a couple games. And outside of Baltimore oh, and the Cowboys oh, I I believe the Chiefs are still top three, top five on the offensive side so they're still going to put up points defensively that switch to the 4-3 was the right move to make and I knew that the Frank Clark trade would help them and it has Tyron uh, Matthew the free agent getting him that has helped and and I think because of the way that the Ravens are playing and the Patriots so on and so forth I feel people are forgetting that at the flick of the wrist well that's a basketball term sorry but I believe people are forgetting that the Chiefs are still a pretty good team now, I know Andy Reed has the worst luck he has terrible luck, but it won't surprise me if this is the year because the Chiefs went on the road, they beat the Patriots on the road, and one of the two horses the Ravens had did come to the Chiefs, so they proven that they could beat you no know, though two of the best teams in the a f c and in the league so well, it won't surprise me if the Chiefs make that run because they're going to score and offensively, they're they 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 they're not giving up as much points as they have. And I think depending on who they play, they just may be able to get their way in. Plus, I picked them to play in the Super Bowl, so I'm kind of hoping that my pick looks right, if that makes sense. <laughs> yeah,
0: no, it, it, does, it does. It does help you out in a sense, you know, but also, too, picking up
2: Terrell Suggs from the Cardinals... Helps. Yes. Big pickup. Yes. Big, yes. huge pickup, yes. you know? I think with the Chiefs, my, my real concern is their running game. Um, and just their offense in general is not nearly as explosive as, as it was last year because you're, you're talking about some injuries on the offensive line, and then you're also thinking about, like, last year when you were looking at Chiefs in less terms in terms of fantasy, right? You're like, yeah, I'm just picking up Chiefs and I'm trying to start whoever's there. <laughs> they're running it's not like that this year. It's basically Tyree Hill and Travis Kelsey. So their their game has become very one dimensional. It's either a big bomb to to Hill or it's a middle of the field pass to Kelsey and it's not really anything else. So I'm looking forward to the return of Damian Williams. It's gonna be big. But I I think that when you put a team like that that's that one dimensional in a scheme war against a guy like Bill Belichick I feel like a guy like Belichick always comes out on top in in that situation in the playoffs. So that's the only concern that I have about
1: about the hey, Chiefs. Hey, uh, Tim, since you are the uh, fantasy guy, I have a fantasy question, sir.
2: Uh, yeah, yeah, shoot, man. I
1: was I was in the playoffs. I was in the semis. I was up. The guy I was playing had Michael uh, Thomas, so I knew Michael Thomas is good for you know between fifteen and twenty five points. Probably more every single game. So I knew that Sunday ads put up a bullet of points. I was up by 30 by the time the four o'clock games started. And all he had left was Michael Thomas. Tim, can you please explain to me why did Didi Westbrook against the horrible Raiders secondary shit the bed and only gave me 2.3 points? <laughs> I think, was so angry.
2: You know, so angry. Who would have known that it was Chris Conley that was going to be the answer there, right? Like, exactly. Eight, Chris freaking Conley. <laughs> <laughs> I think that, that Jaguars offense has just been so unpredictable in terms of their wide receivers w- since Chark went down. Like, it's been Chark, and then it's just been... They've they've supported a number two wide receiver almost every week, but it's almost been a different guy every week. So it's it's interesting to see, because, you know, Leonard Furness, another guy who he was getting peppered with targets, hardly saw a target last week, so... Um, <laughs> You know, that, that Jaguars offense, you never know what they're doing. Doug Marone is just like, he should be coaching in 1973.
1: Exactly. <laughs> That's right. So, the guy that I'm playing, Michael Thomas, scores so 35 points in our league. So, I went from up 32.3 to losing by 2.7 points. God bless Do you. Do so. you imagine how, how I feel now? Michael good, Thomas wins weeks. To myself. Yeah. <laughs> it's a good thing you're not
2: here because we're on the 10th floor. Yeah. And after telling that story, you might have to jump out the window. Yeah. <laughs> exactly.
1: Exactly. 2.7 points. 2.7. My
0: God. <laughs> I know, dude. It it happens, man. You know, I gotta ask you guys this real quick. I know our team suck Allen. Okay. And yes, Tim, I know. You're a Jets fan like I am. Yeah. Okay. And the New York football scene has been an absolute dumpster fire when it comes to both New York teams, how these head coaches are being handled by the media and everything like that. Um, is there a way in twenty twenty do you see both the Giants and the Jets, and we'll go down to here with the Falcons on what they have to do in order to be relevant and successful uh, in 2020. What do they have to do in your, in your mind and eyes?
2: Here's the thing with the Jets. I don't think the Jets are that far away from contending. If you're taking a look at the Jets roster and you just take a look at, all right, when you saw the Jets in the preseason, you said, I'm going to project this team out, right? You're looking at a roster of players that you think can go forward. All right, now subtract. The two starting middle linebackers, Mosley and and Williamson, Williamson, let's get rid of their number one corner that ended up being the worst free agent signing ever. Let's get rid of the safeties for a couple of games. Let's get rid of the running back for a game. Let's get rid of the starting quarterback for four games. Let's get rid of the starting outside wide receiver. Let's get rid of the biggest offensive lineman that you brought in in the offseason, Kaliche Asimile, right? If you look at the injuries or just people who left uh, just because let's get rid of Leonard Williams too. trade him away. Just leaving the team the guys who were not starting you're talking about a team that thirty three percent of their starters gone, and now you're not even considering the fact that some guys play well, some guys don't. I think it's important to remember the fact that Sam Darnold right now is younger than Joe Barrow, so the number one pick this year is going to be younger than sam I mean older than Sam Darnold. and Sam donald's going to go into his, his third year. Brady is obviously taking a step back he has the worst quarterback ranking of a uh, rating of any quarterback in the last six weeks, so I think the Jets are not that far from contending. For the Giants, they're a little more far from contending. They have a situation where if their quarterback ends up, you know, he's lost 10 fumbles, so... When you're talking about a guy who's turnover-prone, um, he's got to cut that out. But if their quarterback can take the next step, they're, they'll they get closer. But I think the Jets are not that far from contending, personally.
3: I think it's a two-year, three-year process with both teams. I think both teams need to clear out their coaching steps. I think Shermer is a decent play caller, but he just can't handle the head coach responsibilities. Well... Like, is a disaster. I don't know how anyone could defend Amgay. So, and Greg Williams isn't much better either. I just think both teams need to completely, they're, they were building because obviously they have young quarterbacks. So that's promising. And I do think, I do agree with him. Like, the Jets have legit offensive talent. Like, I love Jameson Crowder. I don't know if they're going to resign Robbie, but I'm a big Robbie Anderson fan. I think he should be like the next to Sean Jackson, whether it's infrastructure or maybe off the field issues hasn't quite come to fruition, but he's a stud. And I think Jamal Adams. Get on the right page, him because I think he's someone that you want to build around. So they do have talent. I just think coaching-wise, especially in this league, your coach needs to be on point. You need to be disciplined. I just see both teams right now. Just, the Giants' defense is so slow, and they have no playmakers, and it's hard to trust Gettleman and just his thought process. So that's an issue. And with the Jets, I just think – Defensively, they they haven't had an edge rusher in years. That that's something they got to address. So it's nice. just, I think both teams just significantly flawed. I think it's gonna take two, three years before we will see of them in the playoffs.
0: And the Jets haven't had an edge rush, edge rusher since Jonathan Abraham.
3: Well, yeah. be some John Abraham. Well, we all know we all know that he had the great career with the Falcons,
0: but many right. people also forget too that draft pick that they got back in return was for Nick Mangold. Mm-hmm.
3: Wow. Uh, yes. Okay, I, I totally forgot about
0: that. Yes. So that that really helped right. out their their Hold offensive on. line situation. John
2: Abraham made 20 years impact with the Jets. Yes, That'd he feel did. Like, Got it like that. <laughs> yes, he did.
0: 100. <laughs> yeah. percent Alan, we're gonna st- stay with you here for a second too. Uh, you the Falcons. Yeah. How do they successfully try to get back into contention in
3: 2020? NFC so crazy because you know, like this year like. Even though the Rams are kind of flawed, it's crazy that the Rams are most likely not going to make the playoffs. And the Rams, look at the star power they have. And then either the Cowboys or the Eagles aren't going to make the playoffs. Like the NFC is just so crowded. I think when it comes to Falcons, it's a 50 50 thing with Dan Quinn. Ultimately, I do think he's going to stay, which is crazy because I think being one in seven, you probably should be fired. But I just think there's a rapport there with him in the locker room and Arthur Blank. I think with the Falcons, it's, just, it's kind of been the tradition for years just continuing to prove in the trenches because there's so many good teams that I've seen in trenches. You look at you know, what the Niners have built. You look at what the Saints have built. Also, the Eagles, even though they might not play the playoffs. And the Cowboys, of course. There's just so many good teams that have those lines that just dominate you up front for all of Atlanta's star power offensively. And you know, they've got some great talent defensively. Just in the trenches, they consistently get manhandled. So I think that's probably the biggest prerogative going forward and you know I think just consistently it's all about the draft really like everyone wants to talk about how do you build you have to build through the draft so I think Atlanta getting that second round pick from Ahmed's new which is looking like an absolute steal right now so it's a new doesn't look healthy it kind of looks old but yeah I stick with the Falcons proving the trenches and just continue to build through the draft because they're only a few pieces away but it's just the NFC is so crazy like you have to be on the top of your game if you don't win 11 games on NFC be prepared, unless you play in the FCS East, because you know that's the luxury.
2: <laughs> it's, it's it's funny you say the draft because you see the Patriots starting to slip, and you realize that even a team that has their shit together that hard, it's they've blown some draft picks the last couple of years. Sony Michelle and Nikhil Harry hasn't done much. Uh, Isaiah Wynn at the left tackle position hasn't been healthy, and they haven't been able to get production out of their first round picks and. <sighs> They've suffered because of that.
3: The Harry pick's looking rough because you look at the receiving class right now, you got McLaurin, you got Slayton, you got A.J. Brown. Like You have so many studs. M- Metcalf, Debo Samuel, and the Patriots draft, the one guy that doesn't really do much. Like There's right. no standout quality in watching Nikhil Harry. All these other receivers I mentioned, they do something extraordinarily well so yeah, yeah they definitely missed that one
2: and they got fleece in a trade you don't see the Patriots get fleeced in a trade yeah. off especially no, when you look
3: don't. at Sam from Emmanuel Sanders they got what a fifth rounder I think a lot of people would take Emmanuel Sanders or Raham it's so, Facts, yeah,
2: absolutely
0: and you look at the, the Patriots right now and what, what's what been going on with them with the whole another cheating allegation with them guys another cheating allegation Tim I know we're Jets fans here okay so, having to see the flake gate and spy gate and now, and now this gate with the Bengals it's like Dude, you know, what? I don't get it. I really don't get it. Is it is it something that's like maybe that's why they've been successful over the past 20 years? I know the do-your-job mentality and the next-man-up mentality for the
2: Patriots, but it's got to play somewhat into effect now with this, right? Everything adds up, right? Yeah, I mean, look, I, I was on the Patriots' side, believe it or not, up until Jay Glazer on Sunday showed what the Patriots' camera guy was taking video of. Right, right. And his excuses. Like, you saw the video? <laughs> yeah. like, that was an insane video. Yeah. And he had eight minutes of the Bengal sideline in their substitutions. That's not a coincidence. That's not a guy leaving the camera on. Like, he's recording the Bengal sideline. And it's coming at a time, too, where the Patriots are struggling. And a lot of people are blaming a lot of things for the Patriots. Like, oh, yeah, they have this injury. Or Tom Brady's too old. and Or they have no outside weapons. And all that is true. But during the Patriots' reign... All that stuff has been the case before. The only difference is since '09, they've had a nightmare matchup in the middle of the field that has taken safety's attention every single year, and that's Rob Gronkowski. And I don't think people really... Properly estimated how much his loss was going to affect the Couldn't Patriots agree more. because that's a, even when he wasn't successful, that's a guy that you have to double in the middle of the field every single time. You can't single him with a linebacker. So now that safety's free to, to roam a little bit, and Bel- Belichick looks a little like he's not the chess master that he used to. Like he's playing. He looks like he's playing electronic chess now, right. almost. Like, you know, he knows the pieces. He knows how to move them. But he doesn't really know how to play the computer yet. Mm-hmm. You know, against other people, he could look in the eye. It's fine. So it's it's interesting to see what he's doing to get that extra edge. And look, if the Patriots get caught with this, man, like, it is. when does a reputation get tarnished? Because no one seems to care about Spygate. No one seems to give a shit anymore about the Flategate. When is it time to say, hey, this is a cheating franchise that cheated? And that's just the facts. And do something that maybe the, uh, take a page of the NCAA's book, which if you know me, you know that I don't want to take any pages out of no NCAA's books. But maybe take a page and say, hey, you know, these championships you got, these these accolades, maybe you asterisk them. Or yeah, maybe
3: yeah. you take them away. Because they've taken first-round picks before, but clearly that hasn't taught them a lesson.
2: Right, because they, they had another one that year.
3: Yeah. I, I forgot what's draft, by. I remember they got their first-round pick was just, it's like, no, nah, they there clearly needs to be more stricter punishments.
2: That's I think. And $500,000, which is, you know, Robert Kraft shits $500,000.
3: They, they could sign another kicker. <laughs> that, that, yeah. uh, they've gone through like, oh, Nick Folk, I think is not a kicker. Yeah, I believe so, right? Yeah, he is. Yeah, yeah,
2: so. yeah. yeah Robert Kraft spends $500,000 on Asian escorts. Yeah, they, they <laughs> you shots, <man>. you <laughs> just <laughs> took
0: the words right
1: out of my mouth. Man. Yeah. Yeah. I knew that was coming. I knew that was coming.
2: Too easy.
0: Go ahead, Sean. I know you want to comment on this too.
1: I mean, I mean, it's kind of like you know, uh, like I said, you know, um you know that like they've had draft taken away, they've gone fun, and they really haven't learned. So I mean, you know, it's one of those things. But you know, Roger Goodell and Robert Kraft—they're extremely cool. So it's almost like you know, does Roger Goodell favor Robert Kraft? Does he favor the uh, Patriots? I know he's tried to, uh, you're saying, um, penalize them before, and when they won the Super Bowl, they kind of. Uh, rub it in his face on live TV, blah, blah, blah. But I mean, I think behind the scenes, Roger Goodell and Robert Kraft were cool. So that may be why, you know, like we, uh, that we haven't seen a, a severe thing come now yet. So we'll see with that. Um, In terms of the Giants and the Jets, I couldn't agree more. When I learned that the Jets hired Adam Gase over Mike McCarthy, I was like, this is why they are the Jets. Because you do idiotic moves just like that. So I'm not surprised. Yeah, They've had had um, yeah. They've had guys, you know, um, get hurt and guys get cut and traded, blah blah blah. But I mean, at the end of the day, if you had to tell me, okay, a guy that worked with Ryan Tannehill and didn't win anything, a guy that worked with Aaron um, uh, Rodgers and and won a Super Bowl, which one do you pick? And of course, the the Jets like the Mets. Uh, it's almost like just when you think they're going to make the obvious choice, they make. The most stupid one, like it's almost like both of those teams, like are almost a, the like I'm saying um, um a, a thing. So I'm not surprised that the Jets are having the season that they have, but I do also agree that I don't think they are that far. If the healthy guys come back, and we've seen plenty of teams nail a draft class. And that draft class propelled them to where they are now. A lot of people forget two, three years back, the Saints were like a 7-9 team, 6-10 team. The Saints have nailed the past two, three drafts that they've had, yes. and look at them now. Absolutely. So if you are able to nail a draft class, which which isn't an easy thing to do, but if you can do it, I think especially with the Jets and the talent that they have, I think that in 2020, they'll be good. And the Giants, I agree, guys, Patrick has to go. But I think the Giants were doomed when they took Saquon. You had a top two pick, and you had quarterbacks for days, and all those quarterbacks are playing well, except for Josh um, um, uh, Rosen. Rose. But all those other quarterbacks are playing well, and you could have had any of them besides Baker, and you take a running back, especially when you didn't have the offensive line in place. Dallas took Zeke after the offensive line was in place. That's why Z is being has been the beast that he has been. So I think Dave uh get has to go. I think uh Sherman has to go. And then I think and also the fact that the Giants run the three four, I don't know. That didn't make no sense to me and I'm not surprised that the defense past couple of years has been really, really bad. So I think the Giants just need a clean house. It's clear that Philly and uh the Dallas at least for, for you know at least for the foreseeable um uh uh a future that you know that they're gonna be the cream of the crop, even though you know the cream of the crop isn't that great, they're gonna be at the top, so if I'm them, I clean house, I try and get as as uh as much picks as I can, and I just press, and I just start the whole thing from um
0: uh um scratch
1: scratch from scratch right, again. But, yeah. um, you know is they but they need to start that um, whole whole thing, so uh, we shall see. Right. And, well, uh, my last thing, and Allen, I had high expectations for your Atlanta, a uh, Falcons this year because I'm a big Matty Ice fan. I'm a big Vic, uh, a Beasley guy. Even though I know we you know, I, I guess people can say that he's a boss, but but I know that he's been hurt and misused, so on and so forth. But. If I'm the, uh, uh but I agree with you. It's a hard call because they were one and seven. They were down in the dumps, and they responded by you. They went to the Saints, beat the Saints. They went to San Fran and they won that game. So, it's a hard call. With that, if you fire Dan Quinn, you got to replace them with someone better. And I don't know who's better out there that they can get their hands on quickly. So. I think because of that, Dan Quinn does stay. But if he does stay, and I'm sure you will agree, he is on an extremely, extremely short leash. And year. sure, like, if they start zero and two, one and four, I'm pretty sure that he is going to be gone.
3: Yeah, I think that's an accurate description. It's just you don't know who's out there. I feel like this is going to the off season. There hasn't been many c- candidates touted. I feel like every off season, like Lincoln Riley is the big name. But other than that, I don't only really know who's out there. That's why teams really have to assess. Like, if we want to fire a coach. Do we have like a plan? Like who are the hot name coordinators out there? Because all the guys that Sean McVay worked with have pretty much got hired. So <laughs> maybe like Andy Reid's guy, or I'm just I'm not sure who's really out there. I know Mike McCarthy's probably gonna get back into coaching. We'll see who where he goes to, but it's just there's a lot of openings out there, but I think teams need to realize what risk are we willing to take? Are we gonna go the college route or are we gonna take a retry coach? Who knows? So I think that's what I have our, what a very
1: interesting name. Urban Meyer.
3: I'm not really a college football guy so I couldn't really
2: I think that he's more of a yeah. a shaper of young young men rather than a football coach. I think Matt Rule is a from Baylor is Matt is Rule yeah it's a name oh, that could yeah. be interesting. I think that his he has a very uh, progressive offensive mind. Mm-hmm. So, uh, in in this new progressive offensive world, mm-hmm. he he's might be a good fit in the NFL. You kind
3: of be like Cliff Kingsbury, right? Kind yeah. of in that vein. Yeah, that's why I think the Jets should have gone because I don't know what M- okay, McCarthy's yeah. mind. I think he wanted to take a year off. I don't know if it's verified, but I think McCarthy just needed a break because he just pretty much burnt out after all the pressure at Green Bay. But I remember the Jets were interesting Kingsbury and uh, Arizona still. Re- uh, rebuilding, But at the same time, they showed a lot of promise this year. So I think maybe that's something that – because, look, everyone wants the offensive mind. Although I will give credit to McDermott and Mike Varebo. I think those two guys are showing that you can still hire a defensive mind coach and be successful because – everyone wants the craze this big That everyone wants 400 yards every week but sometimes you need a disciplinarian I think McDermott and Vrabel are doing a very good job
2: yeah facts and it takes a, it takes a lot of balls to replace your quarterback midseason and have success with that and you see Vrabel did that yeah. and uh, Tannehill has played off and there's a stat on BrotoFantasy.com called True Throw Value that really showed that Ryan Tannehill was one of the better quarterbacks in the league last year under cover. Mm. and uh, he's getting a chance to show that this year so yeah Vrabel's doing a fantastic job
1: And that's a hard choice that we're gonna have to make because he's on only on a one year deal. Your franchise. I mean yeah, and I mean but that's hard because this a quarterback class in the draft is supposed to be stacked. So it's like we won't be near near the top to maybe grab one of those guys, but you always got the trade um market. So I don't know which way to go. I mean, because could this be a one-year thing? Because he's so young. He's only still like 30, uh, uh, 31. So he legit could still have a good three, four years left where he plays high. So it's going to be very, very interesting to see what they do. And I'll be paying close. attention to it because I love my team. So uh, 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 we shall see.
2: Not only the true throw values like also show that Ryan Tannehill was much better than he was last year, I think that just – as a Jet fan, we got to watch him two times a year. And I think we would both agree that this guy was much better than he was getting credit for in the media. Um so I think I, I think if I was the Titans I'd I'd go with Tannehill next year, man, and just spend that high draft pick on on something else of need, maybe a, a piece an offensive line piece cuz that offensive line hasn't been uh nearly as good as as expected. Taylor Lewan all of a sudden went from one of the best left tackles in the league to just being like kind of a bum. So I I, I would Yeah, I would I would uh I would definitely spend it somewhere else and, and maybe give Ryan Tannehill a chance. I, I'm, I'm a Tannehill believer. I always have been. Okay. You know, it's, fun, it,
0: it's funny you match, mentioned Matt Rule and his, with his tie probably to Falcons. I, I see him more of a fit with the Giants and what the Giants can do. I mean, we've heard it in the New York media. We've heard it all over sports talk radio. Hell, even on a couple podcasts I've listened to, Matt Rule can be that guy for the Giants because of their wide receiving core in place, yeah. because of the offensive mind that he has. And there's a lot of things that can happen here too. And also, Saquon Barkley is going into a year, what's it going to be now, three next year? Three. Yeah, dude. It's I could really see that happening with the wide receiving core that's there, tight end situation that's there with the Giants and having Saquon. The big key here is, can Daniel Jones – Okay, this is Daniel Jones' team now. It's not Eli Manning's team anymore. He, he'll he probably retire into the sunset. Probably saw him play his last game as a Giant at MetLife on Sunday. But realistically, with the Giants, there's a lot of things that that, that they have to cover. And with their head coaching position, I think Pat Shermer is probably going to be done at the end of the year as well. I remember being at the Jet game when they played the Giants, and he was calling timeout with four minutes to go. And I'm saying to myself, like... You know, here you are. You know, you, you get the stops and everything like that. You want to kind of conserve the timeouts for later on during the two-minute drive. But I just didn't understand it. And you see some of the questionable calls that he's been making out on the field. Tim, it's been crazy. You know, I really do see a new head coach with the Giants That's coming next year. You know, That's interesting. that
2: Because rule said he asked – he was on the Adam Schefter podcast earlier today. Uh, I, was take, I was listening to it. And he said, you know, he's not – He would be crazy to say he's not coming to the NFL, but he would need a perfect situation. And when you're talking about a stable franchise with history, right? On top of that, you're talking about a young quarterback that showed promise. On top of that, you're talking about a spread offense where you could spread Shepard, Tate, Ingram, Slayton across the field and have Saquon Barkley coming out of the backfield. That's a recipe that people are going to want to dip into, and they really need really need secondary help, um, and uh, and and some pass rushing help. Like that whole defense needs to really be retooled, but the offense is not the problem. Even their offensive line is decent, um. So that's an interesting one. I haven't thought about that.
3: I'll be shocked if they don't get Ron Rivera. I think Ron Rivera is going to be the guy. Mm. I just think the Gettleman With ties. The yeah, yeah. I, th- I think Ron Rivera. They just need someone to build credibility back to that franchise that franchise look they I think they've been the worst franchise for the last five years in terms of records either them or cleveland i actually think cleveland has been better than them yeah so it's I th- true i think the giants just need credibility and ron rivera said what you want but he did a lot of good things in carolina and i think just with the Gelman ties it just it's gonna i think it makes a lot of sense because they that defense is arguably worse than the league like, i couldn't tell you like a, if i top of my head like a giants like above average or a promising player on that defense like, there is anyone that stands out to me. It's just, it's really bad right now. And I know they trade away a lot of talent. And they let go of Janoris Jenkins, too. Well, they had to do that yeah. at this point. The client talent. Off-the-field issues, however yeah, you want, want to phrase it. But I just think I think either the Giants or Jaguars are going to be looking at Romivere. I think those are two teams that just need desperately someone to bring integrity back. Maybe the Redskins, but I can't advise any head coach to coach the Redskins. Whoever happens to the Redskins, <laughs> salute to you for having the fortitude to take that job. Facts. I don't know. I don't recommend it.
0: I want to get back to the draft here for a second. I know my partner mentioned, and I know, Sean, you mentioned the fact that it's a quarterback-heavy draft class. OK, Burroughs is probably going to be, you know, probably number one, maybe like a top 10 pick, you know, maybe uh, Jake Fromm, right from from Georgia. He'll be up there, too. And that yep. uh Tua, Tua stock has drastically fallen with the knee injury in place. Yep. So, gentlemen, I got to ask you with the Jets and the Giants. The Jets, their offensive line is in shambles. We know this. Andrew Thomas, will he still be on the board when the Jets pick at seven or eight? Who knows? Please, God. Yeah, I, I agree with you. They do need that that left tackle badly. Uh, but with the Giants, too, Chase Young is on the draft board. A lot of people that have been on NFL talking about the NFL draft, whether it be uh, – who's, who's the guy? Dan, not Daniel Jeremiah. The guy from ESPN, Todd McShay. Yeah. McShay goes out there and he says that Chase, Chase Young might be a number 1 overall pick. And that's crazy because in this top top heavy quarterback tra- draft class, Cincinnati holds that holds all the keys for what other franchises are going to do from here on out. And could they probably address that need with with the uh with you know with that number 1 overall pick to s- stack a guy like, you know, that already has a sick Defensive line in place, you know, with Geno Atkins there, they look stout. That defensive line when they played up against the Jets, but it's the Jets. I get it. But most of the games were close this year, only one score or less, right. and yet the record still speaks for itself. But, but the uh, the Bengals still need a quarterback. They still got to replace the Red Rocket.
2: What's going to happen here? I think Joe Barrow is going to be the number one pick. I think it would be it would be. Really strange. Although, look, Chase Young looks like a generational talent. He looks like, um, a guy that's in the breadth of Miles Garrett. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Right. Uh, except, you know, minus that, you know, helmet, <laughs> helmet situations. Um, but, so if there is one guy to pass on a quarterback with, it's, it's Chase Young. Don't get me wrong. But when you're talking about a guy in Joe Barrow who says all the right things, has the look of a quarterback, is mobile, has a cannon for an arm, um, took a program that historically has struggled in the quarterback situation that plays in the SEC that plays against these stout NFL caliber SEC defenses and still put up the numbers that he did when's the last time an LSU quarterback made waves Jam- like real Ja'Marcus waves. Jamarcus, yeah, Jamarcus, Jamarcus Russell, Russell oh, probably. Uh, yeah. Wow. Jamarcus Russell's probably, yeah, Jamarcus Russell is probably the last one that made ways. and that was in two, two two thousand three, no, two thousand seven, was it? Yes. Yeah, okay. <laughs> well, I got I got my years messed up, but it's okay. Still, twelve years ago, yeah, right. So he takes a program that historically, and Jamarcus Russell, kind of in the same in the same way that Burrow was, um, kind of a one year wonder. So that's the one thing that you worry about with Burrow. But Burrow's been he's hopped around programs, so I think that. If you pass on him, if you pass on a guy that's that textbook like Sam Darnold, textbook quarterback, you don't pass on that guy. I don't think you pass on Burrow either. Yeah, Zach Taylor
3: clearly wants a franchise quarterback. Look where he came from. He's going to run, you know, McVeigh centric styled offense. I just think with when it comes to teams, like it's kind of a foregone conclusion. Like what well, happened Arizona last year. Everyone's like, oh, they cannot draft Kyle Murray. Come on, they just invest a top pick in Josh Rosen things change drastically in a year like look at Arizona they fired Steve Wilkes after a year it's just NFL there's not a lot of patience anymore things they need something to be addressed they're going to address it whether it takes a year or two years whatever it may be I think maybe the Lions are at the one team like I was shocked to see today like Matt Patricia's coming back I'm like okay well that's maybe Lions dysfunctional franchise not the best comparison right. but uh <laughs> right but with the Bengals I just think they see look there just needs to be a complete not just overhaul but they just need a new face there they just need something to bring energy just bring some life back to Team. They got some decent pieces, you know, mixed and solid. And t- Tyler Boyd's good. Who knows what happens? A.J. Green, I think maybe he just wants to go elsewhere. But Bengals got some pieces. They just need someone. You, at times, you just have to look at it. We need a new face of franchise. We need to build our offense for the next however many years, hopefully decade in this case. So, yeah, I think it's pretty much a foregone conclusion.
2: And if you look at the Bengals' talent, like they're, I feel like they're also not that far away from a contending situation because they have a – Decent secondary, although William Jackson went from one of the worst quarter, best corners in the year. Mm-hmm. To who knows what happened to him? Like you said, they got a beast off a defensive line already. They're out, their O-line needs a crazy amount of work. Yeah, O-line's a disaster.
0: And they lost so many games by one score. One score. Whether it be a touchdown, a field goal, one point. They lost at least, I was looking at the stats, like maybe five to six games by at least one score. So they've been in in games close, but they just couldn't. They couldn't close in. Hence why, they're, like, like I said, the record spoke for itself. Yeah.
1: It's crazy. It's my crazy. O- my only thing, guys, is that we've seen college quarterbacks, when they only produce for one year, it not translate to the next. I mean, it not it translate. And that's my only fear with Joe because he's a two-year starter. And in 2018 at LSU, he was average at best. Now, I know that was his first year playing SEC. You got to get used to it. But also, the talent around him this year was NFL. And devil will you on just the offensive side. may have seven, eight guys drafted from the receivers to the tight end, the running back, the offensive line. He was playing with a lot of NFL guys. So, I think he's deserving of the, the number one pick. But I'm very wary because I feel like in college, you got to make players around you better. You look what Jalen Hurts has done and Tua have done and some other guys. They're playing with NFL guys too, but they've made some of the lower tier guys on that team better where it was like I feel like Joe Burrow was giving these just talented guys and he was like, here, just, you know, like just don't, you know, uh, throw the bus off the track. Last year, which he didn't do. And then obviously the guys got better from year one to year two and things just um, went off. So he played for two years, but he only had produced for one. Granted, it was uh, was in the in SEC, but as we saw, Bama was in Bama this year and Florida was in Florida this, um, this season. So I think it, should, it shouldn't be a foregone conclusion that it's him. Because if Tua is able to come back from the knee and the hip, he can, you know, make a case. And nobody's talking about Justin and Herbert. Justin Herbert reminds me a lot of Big Ben. He's like six four, six five. He's like two thirty five, two forty. And I think he, and I think he can be just as good. So it's going to be very interesting to see where since uh, he goes. Because I don't think they could go wrong with either Burrow. Tua, uh, Herbert, or Young. So I feel like whichever pick they make, it'll be a very good pick. So they have a very tough choice uh, on the hands.
2: Interesting to hear the Titans guy uh, talk about an Oregon quarterback that way.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was a complete bust.
2: Yikes. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. Hey, speaking of the draft, okay, and speaking of teams that are doing relatively well, well right now, you look at a team like the San Francisco 49ers, most of their roster has a bunch of undrafted talent. And finding that is absolutely crazy. And especially you give Jimmy Garoppolo his payday, his due and everything like that. And for him and for the San Francisco 49ers to go out there and just do what they're doing right now, is just absolutely insane. You know? Here we are. We thought that this team would be, you know, middle of the pack, but they're doing some great things. They're doing some great things. They're on the verge of doing something absolutely uh something great. I, f- I forgot some of the names that were undrafted, but they had they have the roster there that they found, you know, Sean, I know you talk about trying to hit, hit the home run with the draft class, but if you find undrafted free agents,
2: it's crazy. Look at a guy like Robbie sure. Anderson. Perfect example, Tim. Yeah. You yeah. know? I mean, that's that's just good scouting, and that, that's why I think I have a, I have a little bit more of a, a, a bullish – is it bull or bear? Bull, right? Bull means good. Yeah. Bullish outlook for the Jets because I I believe in Joe, Joe Douglas, and I believe in uh, the situation like Philly – You know Philly is in it for the long haul when last year in the first round when they could have went for a big wide receiver they could have went for this or that, they drafted their backup left tackle. And that's going to be their left tackle now for the next 12 years when Jason Peters hangs it up. So they have that kind of mentality where they're patient, they're willing, they're waiting, and uh, it's been successful. Now, this year not so much, but it's been successful in past years. Right.
3: Yeah, Yeah. one thing that comes to mind with San Francisco is just the fact that George Kittle was picked in the fifth round. I think 12 tight ends went over George Kittle. Now, Kittle, you could argue, right up there with Travis Kelsey. It's pretty much 1A, 1B when it comes to the best tight ends. Those two are right up there. So he's a prime example of just San Francisco just accumulating talent. Like they've been doing. Because the first two years were kind of rough. They were just kind of trying to figure out, okay, Garoppolo went down and just didn't have the receivers. Now they're just starting to build it up. Like Debo Samuel looks like a great pick. Obviously, the Samuel trade uh Sanders trade, excuse me, and then defensively did just between it was a savvy move getting D Ford. I didn't think I always forget like D Ford went there. I think that was a really good pick But it's just once you have that draft capital, you just gotta keep community talent. Fred Warner looks like a study. Just they have so much talent, especially defensively, 'cause for the past few years since um Willis and Bowman retired, San Francisco's defense has been pretty much non existent. Now I would say they're the best defense in the league. So credits that uh front office like it was a risk taking john lynch john lynch coming out of the commentary booth no experience getting him with kyle shannon who yes he's offensive mastermind but kyle shannon hasn't always rubbed people the right way like he's kind of in his own he lives in his own world like he's pissed off a lot of people kyle shannon but look he i think he's one of the best coaches in the league so you put a person like shannon a guy with no experience like john lynch and see what they've done it's remarkable, and I think San Fran—they are going to be a legit threat. Right where they're the one or the five seed,
2: yeah, and they have a lot of undrafted talent too. San Francisco, Matt but they Brita. also have a yeah. lot of a lot of first-round defensive talent that look like some busts, but then you put the right pieces around them, and now guys like Salomon Thomas, Jesse Armstead, you put you put Nick Bose on the outside, D Ford, and now that's a really really solid front. Yeah, I love Buckner. Buckner yeah, you, Buckner. Good like yo, these guys t- all together—it's a top five defensive unit in the league, right? So you you. You build, yes, you build by getting that undrafted talent and scouting the late rounds well, but you gotta nail those first few picks. And every year, San Francisco has nailed it. Even if, you know, like you said, there's no patience in the NFL anymore. So it was quick to label uh, a guy like Solomon Thomas a bust in his first year out of San, uh, out of Sanford. But when you, you put the right pieces around him, you see he's able to uh, shine the way that he shines. So, um, yeah, it's been a process in San Francisco. A lot of people, a lot of people don't like to remember that they won two games a lot. Like they, they kind of like jog that out of their memory. But they needed to go through two win seasons in order to get there. And uh, so it's they, they've done a great job in the scouting department and in the draft. Well, I think
3: they've go. always been patient too. I'm running John Lynch like a six year contract. Yeah, yeah. So they're just like, okay, we're gonna take your time because at that point they're just Shanahan like, too, right? I believe so. Yeah, five th- or six years. Yeah, with him, Yeah, they're too. just like, all right, we're gonna go and it might take for years because you look at the division. It's like, oh, Seattle. It's really good. The Rams are coming on. She's like, all right, it's going to be a process. Mm-hmm. It's just, I don't know if it depends on the market or just the organization, just some organizations. They're just, it's like two years. If it doesn't work, get out of here. Like, it's just some organizations operate differently.
0: And you look at the 49ers, too. I know we're talking about the draft. I remember three years ago, or whenever whenever the year Trubisky got drafted, let's not forget that the 49ers traded. With the Bears mm-hmm. and the and the 49ers wound up getting back a haul of picks mm-hmm. in return. So that helps out in a sense, you know, and look where the Bears are now with Mitchell Trubisky, even though, eh, you know, it is what it is, but uh, San Francisco's been doing a great job with their, not only their scouting department and their head coaching situation, but they They're just doing some pretty great things overall in general.
2: Another reason why the Giants taking Saquon Barkley might have been a mistake because you put yourself in that situation where you have a franchise quarterback. I mean, you look at, I mean, Andrew Luck ended up retiring, but you look at the situation with the Colts. And when they traded back and got three first-round picks from the Jets, I mean three second-round picks yeah. from the Jets, including the sixth pick, they end up getting Qu- Quentin Nelson, mm-hmm. a guy that they probably would have taken third overall anyway, and they ended up getting two extra second-round picks. I, I believe one of them um,
3: – right tackle Brain Smith. Yes. back here sure, Yeah, I'm not sure Darius Leonard was a part of the trade, but I know Darius Leonard was a second-round pick, and he's a stud, one of the top linebackers. Yeah, yeah, league, I was
2: going to so. say, I think one of them came into Dar- Darius Leonard. So, yeah. I mean, it's just like – Chris Ballard knows what he's doing. That's how you do it, man. That's how you do it. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah, well, man, uh, and uh, and that's my point. If you hit on a draft class, Quinton and and Nelson changed that entire offensive line. One person changed that entire line. It's too bad that they drafted him last season and not in 2015, 2016, when Andrew Luck was getting his brains a beat out. But, I mean, just those first two picks, Quinton, Nelson, um, Darius, Leonard, changed the complete complexity of that team. So, if you're able to nail a draft, well, it can really, really change the fortunes. Another team.
0: Absolutely. Hey, guys. We talked about playoffs earlier on. I want to get your Super Bowl takes right now, since you guys Ooh. are here. Picks, okay? On the spot, I love it. On the spot, right now. <laughs> I know my partner's pick. He mentioned it at the beginning of the year. Looks like he's probably going to be right on again. My pick is definitely down the tube right now at this point. That's okay. I kind of forgot who it was. I think I picked the Colts coming out with Andrew Luck. This is prior to him retiring, but oh. it, it, yeah, it, I, know, right. I know. I picked it, the Bears. Yeah, it, right. it it didn't happen. I was I was with Philly. The, yeah. There you go. <laughs> but I, I want Nick was Philly too. Yeah. I want to get your your guys' picks right now for the Super Bowl. Super Bowl fifty four down in Miami. Go guys. Who do you guys
2: got? You want to go first? You want me to go first?
3: I'm still on the Ravens, but NFC. I'm still between like San and New Orleans. Like the, those two, I think are so loaded. But those Sheldon Rankins and Marcus Davenport injuries do worry me mm-hmm. with New Orleans. I know getting Jack Rapid Jenkins, you know, maybe it'll pay off, but. I'll I'll go with the rest. I'm gonna go Niners, Ravens. I'm
0: Niners, sure. Ravens again, yeah. again, from Super Bowl forty-seven. Yeah. All 10. right,
2: um, I am off. I love the Ravens. Don't get me wrong. I love Lamar Jackson, but I just like yeah. I said, when you have an offense like that, that's kind of in a, in a one-dimensional situation. If they meet the Patriots in the Super Bowl and Bill Belichick, I mean, not in the Super Bowl in, AFC in the, in AFC the, in the AFC championship, championship or even or even earlier, round, depending yeah. on what's going on with the Patriots and their record, right? Uh, if they meet the Patriots, I just don't see it happening well for them. I don't see, uh, I don't see Bill Belichick getting that fooled twice by one player. Now, Jackson's a generational talent, so maybe. But right now, I still like the Patriots to come out of the AFC. And I'm gonna go with the I'm gonna go with the Saints out of the okay. NFC. So Patriots Saints is my pick right now. Do you
3: know is one of the most intimidating environments? I think in the NFL in general, I would say they're right up there with Arrowhead and whoever you know whoever's Seattle's call, I forget, but I think Baltimore Questfield. I think Baltimore people forget how intimidating it is to play there. And I gotta give credit to New Orleans. That place is just insane. I do not anytime New Orleans is on like a primetime game I'm just like, oh, if they're the home team, yeah. it's going to be problematic for the Boise
2: team. Yeah. They're
0: great. That's a great atmosphere over there. Yeah. Sean, who, 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 just remind us again who you, who your pick was for the Super Bowl.
1: I had Saints Chiefs, and I'm sticking to it. Uh, and like you said, the Saints have had a ton of injuries on the defensive side, so I'm not confident in that one. And the Chiefs, I just, I just I just feel the Chiefs have everybody where they want them to be. Everybody's talking about Baltimore being great. And the Patriots and this that, and the third, I think the Chiefs have those two teams right where they. I want them, so I'll stick to Saints and Chiefs.
0: You guys, that's that's your pick. I, I like it, guys. I know you guys. You mentioned the Patriots, and I know you mentioned the Ravens. I'm gonna have to go with the Bills. I like I okay. like the shocker. Hot take. I Sheesh. love it. You got to go with I this. Love it. Okay. You know, sometimes it. Let's say hypothetically, right? You catch a hot team, the Bills last year. Were top 10 defense this year. There's still a top 10 defense. The whole key of the season so far has been Josh Allen, him running the ball, him being that option quarterback, the big body, the guy with the big arm. And I know the receivers, you know, they're underratedly small, but if you could go out there and get the rushing attack and get Josh Allen going, I think, that could be realistically a Super Bowl team right there. Talk about a, Mar- a guy like Mark Sanchez. Go out there. Even a Joe Flacco. A guy that could go out there and just control the game. All right? The Bills can beat you in so many ways on defense, and they could go out there and, and play. I think that 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 could be one of those surprising teams, but I think they make it to the Super Bowl. Out of the, out of the uh, NFC, I'm going to have to go with the 49ers here. I like the 49ers. I think... They'll find a way to make it, whether or not they're, they're the first seed or the fifth seed. Jimmy Garoppolo has that pedigree from Tom Brady. He's learned from him, and he could definitely go out there and lead a team, especially having a guy like Kittle. You talk about having a guy like Gronkowski for Brady. Well, Kittle is that guy for Garoppolo. And, you know, make no mistake about it, man, that defense, that front four of San Francisco is absolutely scary with Nick Bosa leading the way over there. It's just absolutely unbelievable. And if they do get the the, the number one seed and they find a way to get it back, Levi Stadium can be pretty loud. We've seen it on TV and we've seen it in the Super Bowl. Right. It could be that, that, you know, that difference maker. And any team out of the NFC West has that rabid fan base, whether it be the LA Rams, whether it be the Seattle Seahawks, whether it be the... San Francisco 49ers, even the Cardinals, even though they're terrible, we got to see them with their postseason runs. That toaster can be loud down there in Arizona. But we're talking about right now, I like the 49ers in the Super Bowl. So give me Bills and 49ers in Super Bowl 54 down in Miami. That would be a funky matchup. That would be. That would be a real funky <laughs> That
2: would be a fun one.
0: That would be. Yeah. That would be definitely fun.
2: Watching the Bills go on a run to the Super Bowl would be fun, despite the fact that I'm a Jets fan. Me too. I, I remember enjoying the the run that the Patriots went on in 2001, though, as a kid, and that didn't work out so well. So, I don't know. Maybe. I've, I've been I've always been a Josh Allen guy. I'm a big fan of Josh I, Allen.
3: I find them overrated this year, but I'm a little surprised no one's really mentioned Green Bay yet. Hmm. Yeah. Considering everything, but I, I don't think Green Bay, they have a lot of flaws. And they've been kind of stretching and, like, Facing teams like Chicago and Washington, they just haven't really impressed this year. You know, granted, they've won some pretty, you know, they've beaten some pretty good opponents. You know, I remember they just hammered Dallas back when everyone thought Dallas was a Super Bowl contender. And you know, they beat the Vikings, but it's, I'm a little surprised no one's really mentioned Green Bay because I feel like they're lurking. But
0: hell, even the Vikings too—they're lurking too. Just about
3: I like the Vikings, but they're another team. It's just oh, Kirk. Yeah. You know, it's, it's going to be disappointing at some point. I just Kirk Cousins is just too limited for me to trust.
2: Yeah, I don't think they have a Super Bowl ceiling, the Vikings. They're a good team. They have like going to championship ceiling. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. you
3: just know it. Absolutely.
0: Moving on now from the NFL, we're going to talk about basketball for a little bit. All right. The NBA year so far, it's been somewhat kind of expected. You know, the Lakers are doing hot. They're one of the best teams in the NBA. The Clippers are right there, right behind them. And then the East, it's wide open between the 76ers. You got the Celtics right there with Kemba Walker finding himself now uh, in that green and white uh, Celtic green. And then you have to, you look at a team like the Miami Heat. The Miami Heat have been absolutely playing out of their minds good. Jimmy Butler has been, you know, he's been the face of the franchise. Uh, guys. What's been your take so far on this 2019, 2020 NBA year so far in a year, especially since TV ratings have been down quite a lot and especially what had happened uh, earlier on with the whole LeBron, Daryl Morey, China situation. Maybe that's why the TV viewing, the viewership has went down. But we all know that once Christmas time rolls around, the NBA ratings will go back up. But I don't know about this year. But who knows? Guys, what's your take so far on this year?
3: I love the variety. That's the thing that I'm most excited about because I've been kinda of down in the NBA the last three, four years, but just the off season, just such a Western Conference. There's just so much craziness with the Los Angeles teams. I was going to Houston. I think Utah's like one of those plucky teams and you know Denver's doing their thing. And I know Portland's not doing great, but see Mellow is pretty cool. So I just I genuinely love the Western Conference. There's just so many moving pieces. I haven't even mentioned Dallas. The coolest thing about Dallas is they have their two biggest stars are from European countries, but not just any European countries. The Slovenia and Latvia, like two of the most <laughs> forgotten European countries. It's not like Spain or France or whatever, maybe. Right. So I find the Western Conference just be exciting. Honestly, look, it's cool seeing East do a thing, especially Giannis, who doesn't love Giannis. But I think everything is directed towards the Western Conference. There's just so many contenders so many powerhouses.
2: I think the NBA ratings being down is is a product of, all right, so you had this big powerhouse in Golden State. And I think that the from the fact that the NBA game is not the same game that we grew up watching, right? I mean, we're all from New York. You guys are from White Center, so from Astoria. We're like cousins over here. But like, <laughs> when when you when you played at the park or you played, I don't know if you guys have ever played in like a, a league or anything like that. You played for a coach that if you took a transition three, you, you're benched, You're benched, yeah. You're doing suicides and you're taking hundred free throws, right? Okay. That game doesn't exist anymore. And I think that just the watching people shoot threes back and forth is not as Scintillating as when you have a complete and utter powerhouse like Golden State, and I think that's why the ratings are a little down. But besides that, I think Allen's right. I think the the power lies in the Western Conference. I love the variety personally. That's that's what I'm I'm into. Like I didn't I didn't I don't like the I know which team is going to win every year narrative. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not that kind of guy. Um, I think the East lies in Giannis's hands. Uh, I think he's the right now um, the most the the player in the nba i wouldn't say the best player but the player in the nba you'd want to build a franchise around the most mm-hmm. maybe luka doncic is up there too um so i think the east side is in Milwaukee and but the west like the lakers are 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 beasting the rockets can can put down 160 on you at, at any given time um the clippers when they're not resting their players are, are a great bunch even utah uh has has a good roster and i'm not mentioning five, six teams that have chances to, to make runs. And Denver so, Nuggets. Denver Nuggets, yeah. How could you forget about
3: that? Greg? I always love Greg Popovich. I don't know how much yeah. time they have. I Spurs, God bless Greg Popovich. <laughs> I mean, that's
2: there's going to be a team in the Western Conference this year that's going to win 45 games. that's not going to make it. So it's it's, it's going to be... It's always like that. Probably like West. the
3: Blazers or something.
2: I know I, I know you're running the show here, but if I could ask you a question. Real quick. Go ahead, go ahead. How do you feel about the NBA reseeding Instead of the Eastern Conference and the Western Conference doing a kind of... Like the, what they're talking about their tournament style situation because I'm a big fan personally of of what the tournament style tournament style yeah like like NCAA I don't, like I don't that even, I don't even really care about the NBA outside of highlights until we get to the post to the postseason yeah. and then that's when real basketball starts so why not just make that
0: you know, basketball you know that's a good question uh I think it it would work out in a sense but if. If it comes back to if it's not broken, don't fix it. You know what I mean. It comes back to that. Uh, I know a lot of players have been on on the uh, on the hot take here. Whenever I know James Harden was on that take too. He was asked like, "Are you kidding me? Like, why would you even ask that?" You know. Yeah. But it, if they do do that, uh, I know it's been in the works now for a couple of years with the NBA, and I think it would be a good move for them. You know, to be honest with you. It would entice more teams to like play for the division more instead of instead of going out there and, you know, trying to get the best record and everything like that. And if you do get in, you could really mess things up. You really could. You know, you could mess things up once you get into the playoffs. Not like now you gotta have a superstar to to win a team and everything like that to build a team around and and win. It's like in the NHL, you know, how they have the top three teams in the division, which is what they should do, have the top three teams in each division play it out. And have two wild cards in each each conference, play it out like that, and then you never know what might happen come playoff time. Look at last year with the Tampa Bay Lightning; they went up against the Columbus Blue Jackets. Blue Jackets traded for a lot of guys, though, to go in there, and they wound up losing a lot of guys in free agency uh, this past off season. But they wound up beating the best team in hockey. You know, I, I, it's it's crazy, it's mind blowing, but it's at that same point in time, like it, it can work. You know if 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 it can happen.
3: Wait, so you're saying they should go five seeds instead of eight?
0: No, no, no. Uh, they had the you have the the three. If if this was me, I like the way how the NHL is doing their okay. thing right now. You have your three division leaders. Okay. Okay. And then in each con- you have two, two conf two divisions, okay. and like like it is now in the NBA, okay. but they just have the one. They have the one the one through eight seating. Okay. We're opposed to as in the NHL. You have your top three teams in each division, and you have your two wild cards from from both divisions. You make that happen. You know what I mean? And that's how
2: that's how it works itself out. But the even, NHL has more parity as yeah. opposed to the NBA. I'd even go a step further, and I'd mix it. I wouldn't even take. I, I would. I would get rid of divisions whatsoever. Because think about why divisions were in there in the first place is because traveling wasn't as easy in nineteen seventy four. Mm-hmm. Right. You know what I mean? Like yeah. whatever. They got private learjets now where they could drink and smoke on the planes and shit. They yeah. no one gives a fuck. Yeah. So mm-hmm. you, you you can get across the country in five hours. Boom. So yeah, boom. Exactly. Mm-hmm. You don't even gotta sleep. Then they don't even got back to backs anymore. So it's just I would just get rid of it. One one through like the one seed in the East and then the two seed overall goes to the next like the Western bracket. Three seed goes to the Eastern bracket. Fourth seed goes to the Western bracket, and it's just overall records. You got sixteen teams, and you, you play it out like that. That's almost like the NHL back in the day. If you notice, like
0: with the Islanders in their in their first when they won their first Stanley Cup, they had to go up against the Philadelphia Flyers, and they wound up beating the LA Kings in the first round of their series. And it's just you crazy. You know what I mean? Like if that if that was to happen, and that that's why. They're one of the better dynasties. But that's back in the day in which hockey was just crazy. Yeah. You know what I mean? But, you know, now, Sean, I know you probably want to get on this, too. So the floor is all yours.
1: Yeah, well, you know, and I agree for for the most part. Like, you know, like, obviously being a fan of the Nets, you know, obviously the summer that we had with Katie and Kyrie, blah, 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 you know, like I was ecstatic knowing that, you know, Katie wasn't going – uh, to play uh, this year, but still, you know, having those two stars come to our team. But go to, But I feel like the last three, four years, we knew it was going to be Golden State, Cleveland, Golden State, Cleveland, Golden State, and Cleveland, blah, blah, blah. So it's like when LeBron left and then, you know, but you still had uh, Golden State. And, you know, as you guys may or may not know, when when we did our NBA our preview show last year, I don't know what made me pick Toronto against Golden State. I did. I also don't know what made me pick Toronto in six, but I did. And the fact that those two exact same things took place, like I still can't believe that they took place, but I'm not surprised because I think we all knew this going to stay run was going to come to an end. These guys are approaching 30 years old and they didn't have the money to keep these guys. And Draymond needed a deal and Clay needed a deal. So they couldn't keep guys like Igor doll and Livingston, so on and so forth. So, the, so the parity that the league now has is awesome because I think we kind of know it's like a three-four horse team race in the West. Obviously, Lakers, and Clippers, Denver to a degree, and uh, Houston. But in the East, I mean, I mean, you have a legit case. I mean, seven, eight teams can come out of the East. I mean, obviously, the Bucks are the superior team now, but you got Philly, you got the Heat, you got Boston if all the depot comes back, you got the Pacers. Um, I'm not going to come to the Nets only because, you know, uh, Katie is out for the year, but I mean, just the fact that we're talking about a legit, you know, 12, 14 teams that maybe can't win the championship, but can make things interesting. But over the past three, four years, it was legit, maybe three or four the most, you know, it makes it, um, a again. And well, I know that you've been obviously, and Islanders and Islanders and Islanders. But Will, when you have a chance, enjoy this twenty three and four start that your team has, Will, because they're playing uh, uh especially well. So I'm I'm glad that there is uh the parody back and it's fun to watch knowing that, you know, any given team can win on any night, knowing that by the time April, May and June comes, Golden State won't be on um, around. So we really don't know uh who's gonna win. So that just makes it fun.
0: Yeah. Sean, you know you know me with my take on how with the whole Anthony Davis saga he might leave at the end of the year, everything like that. You're right. I should enjoy this twenty three and four start, but I'm not. I'm just focused in on my islanders right now. Uh but yeah, dude, it's it's been a crazy year to say the very least thus far and we haven't even talked about the Knicks. We're gonna skip on the Knicks. I know Tim I know. As
2: as you should.
0: I know. Although they've been, playing better. they've been playing better. They've been playing better as of late with their new head coach, and Mike Miller, but that's whether here nor there. The Nets, they've been playing better without Kyrie Irving, but for those people that say that Kyrie Irving is, you know, he could be, he's not the guy for the Nets. The Nets are playing better without him. Listen, when playoff time comes around and the Nets have that record to make it in as a 6-7 seed and he's there, he could definitely be a difference maker. Sean, I know that you know this, so it's been crazy to say the very least.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm not even mad that he's hurt. We have a winning record with him being hurt. So it's like, hey, why burn him during the regular season and play him, you know, 70, 75 games? Let him play 55, 60 games. And when the playoff times come, if, uh, if we're there, he'll be uh, ready to uh, uh, go. so we shall see,
0: yeah, man. Hey, we're gonna keep it short and sweet here with the uh, with basketball because I want to get Tim's thoughts right now. I know both of you guys are Mets fans. I'm a Yankee fan. We're gonna make it real quick here. I don't want to talk about Gary Cole. I know what Gary Cole's gonna bring to the table as far as the immediate impact. What I want to talk to you guys about right now is Rick Porcello. Sorry, Alan, I know you're not a I'm, baseball guy.
3: I'm learning, okay,
0: <laughs> But anyway, I want to get your thoughts on the Rick Porcello signing along with Michael Waka coming to Queens because it's kind of interesting in the sense now that you have the best pitcher in New York, and I'm going to say that right now because the Grom is the best pitcher in New York up until I see a a pitch coming out of
2: uh, Garrett Cole's hands, okay, out of his right hand. Well, he's going to have to make pitches enough to win back-to-back Cy Youngs, but yeah, we'll just... uh, Right. We'll keep it moving. I'm I'm a Yankee
0: fan. (laughs) What's been your take so far on this new this, – what the Wilpons have done, selling the team here to, you know, to this – I forgot his name. Cohen. Cohen. Thank you. Steve Cohen. Yeah.
1: Steve Cohen, yeah.
0: And them getting the two pitchers on on a one-year deal right now, Porcello and Waka. I'm going to let him start first.
2: I mean, look, the Mets need bullpen help. Uh, I think that's uh, clear. Uh, the bullpen market is going to – hasn't shaped up yet. We haven't seen – Big time bullpen guys on the move. Uh, we've seen some guys sign um, today. There were some rumors that they're out on Dylan Betances, which is disappointing. I'd like to see Dylan Betances in Queens, um, but in terms of the the starting the starting rotation, look, the Mets have Degrom, Syndergaard, Mats, and Stroman already in place. So, in terms of a fifth starter, last year Jason Vargas started over half the starts out of the fifth starter spot. Um, we had guys coming in from the minor leagues, and you're talking about Michael Waka and Rick Porcello. Rick Porcello, a former Cy Young Award winner. Michael Waka, right. a former top prospect. These guys both have had down years the past couple years. I think having them in on one-year deals is a extremely good idea for the Mets because they're on prove-it deals, especially Waka, who's basically entire contract is incentives. So when you're talking about the – Fifth spot in a rotation, in a rotation that's already four deep with four aces, arguably. I would say Steven Matt's probably more of a three, two, three kind of guy, but with three legitimate aces on it. Um, I think that, I think Mets fans who are pessimistic, reasonably pessimistic, are making uh, a little bit of a, they're making too much of the situation of the fifth starter. Waka and Porcello are, fantastic signs in the fifth spot, starter spot. Here's the thing, though. You restructured Cespedes' contract, right? Uh, rumor has it that you've been in talking acquiring Mookie Betts. Something needs to happen with this team to make them take the next step because last year, you have this big, powerful guy, this budding superstar in Pete Alonso that you could finally build around. So are you going to build around him? Are you going to invest that capital? And... Steve Cohen, he may have the the sale may have been completed, but he's not going to take over the Mets until 5 years from now. And in 5 years, who knows? Maybe Pete Alonso's wearing a Red Sox jersey or something. Right. So when things need to be done now, and I think if if I'm that front office, the biggest thing I'm I'm concentrating on is bullpen help. Um and then I'm going from there because, I mean, the lineup's pretty solid, especially with Cespedes coming back, um, uh, with uh, Jed Lowry coming back, with Brendan Nimmo coming back. A lot of people don't remember that this this lineup with, with Robinson Cano maybe being healthy this year, this lineup was missing a lot of pieces. But because Pete Alonso was in the middle of it, they were able to get wins anyway. So I think that the Mets' um, number one priority is bullpen help. And it's been, I mean, they got, they, they re-signed Brad Brack, um, which is you know whatever, um, they need a big time bullpen piece, and I would love to see them bring in Ventasis or um, Josh make Hader. a trade, maybe Josh Hader. I know the Yankees have been tied to Josh Hader. Yeah, um, so make a trade for some kind of big time bullpen arm that could be trusted in the late innings. Mm-hmm. Go ahead, Sean.
1: Well, I'll start from the top. I hated the Carlos uh, Beltran hiring. Uh, yeah. I still do. I, I feel like it's a typical Mets move. You have other proven guys that's available and free. And you let the number one target that I think all Mets fans wanted, Joe Girardi, go into the division with Philly that already has a, a somewhat better team than us on a paper. We shall see 2020 um, on the field. But I agree for the most part. The lineup is fine. If we get Mookie or Mookie bets, I mean, that's just a plus, obviously. But the lineup is fine. And the staff, obviously, I doubt that Syndergaard is gonna have a subpar year in twenty twenty that he did this past year. So you got DeGrom, Synegaard, Sherman Mats, And to me, Porcello walked up Valley for that fifth spot. I think, you know, I think it's gonna be great because both those guys have proven that they have stuff. And you know, maybe they don't you know, it's kinda obvious that they don't have a lot left in the tank, but but I mean if they're not number two or number three as as they've been for the most part of their careers. So they're number five. So I think having one of those guys or if we go the six-man route, you know, um, I think that that'd be pretty, pretty good. But Tim, I agree. Bullpen, bullpen, bullpen. If we don't get the bullpen right, 2020 is going to be a repeat of 2019. We're going to score six runs and give up eight. Mm-hmm. We're going to score seven runs and give up nine. So we got to address the bullpen. We got to address the pen. You know, even though I hate the Beltron hiring, I think he's going to do an okay job because he can relate to the players. He's recently re- removed from from the game. But I heard a report yesterday that the Mets aren't in on Denon Botentz, which kind of upsets me because he's New York-born, New York-bred, went to the high school. I've seen a pitch one. vX Live. Right, right. He has a rocket arm, And the fact that he wants to stay here and we don't um, uh, want him. Tim will. And Alan, watch a division team get him. Watch, watch the Braves swooping and give him like 12 a million per. Or watch Washington swooping and get him. And it's just typical Mets things. When you have an opportunity to get a guy, you come up cheap with the money, and another team goes out and gets him. And I'm afraid that the Brewers are going to want the farm for Josh. Yes. And hate him. So. It's going to be a very interesting thing, but Tim, I agree. If we fix the bullpen, we can make some noise in 2020, but we're talking about the Mets here, so that if is a huge if.
2: Especially because the Phillies are improved. I, I like the DD signing. Look, Zach Wheeler's going to be fine, like you said, now, but giving that guy $100 million is a mistake. Um, the Phillies are improved. The Braves, they got Justin Wilson, so they have – I really wanted Justin Wilson, left-handed specialist. and then And then you got – um, world Series champion Nationals, uh, right in that division too. Exactly the world, but who lost Anthony Rendon? Which right. is, thank, it's a huge, thank the good Lord because that guy used to murder the Mets. I am looking forward to not seeing him. You're gonna have to see him this year. year. You're gonna have to see him three times. That's fine. This year, three times is fine. It's it's fifteen less times I'll take. it. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Absolutely. Hey guys, real quick, uh, how do you? How can the people follow you on social media, and how can the people follow your your podcast? I know Alan, you're with Veterans Minimum, and I know you were on Veterans Minimum, Tim. But how can the people follow uh, Bro- Bro- Brodo, right?
2: Yeah, Brodo, Yes, so, Brodo, uh, World. Yeah, right? I used to be on Veterans Minimum, uh, parted ways, but still like still rooting for the guys, love them. Mm. Alan, give you all the information. I very much, very much. Rec- uh, um, Advise listening to Veterans Minimum. But if you want to catch me, I'm at Brodo Fantasy on Twitter, at Tim Patrop on all social media outlets. Um, and, yeah, follow com. That's B-R-O-T-O com. We have this uh, stat called True Throw Value. It will be the best stat you've ever had in projecting people for next year. I promise you, no one else in the world had Ryan Tannehill as a good quarterback last year. This year, he has the he has the highest QB rating outside of Lamar Jackson since he became the starter. No one could have told you that was happening except us because we have this stat called True Throw Value and True Target Value that you should check out, and that's at BrotoFantasy So check that out, and uh, the Broto Fantasy Football Podcast where you can find me.
3: Find me Alan underscore Stirk. That's A-L-L-E-N underscore A double L E N underscore S T R K. Find me running for the Falconhawk, which is the Falcons brand for I'm SB sure. Nation. Uh, they'll also find me on Veterans Minimum a podcast I do every Thursday night with my buddy Nick Davis. Primarily right now talking about football, but we might eventually branch out just when it's the NFL season, it's just so hard to talk about anything else because it's just football just everything. Mm-hmm. So eventually we'll see what happens come February until August. But yeah, that's where you can find out You know SB Nation and Veterans Minimum. Gentlemen, thank you so much for coming on. We really appreciate you sacrificing
0: your time to come on our program to talk. And you guys are welcome back anytime. Thanks for having us on, man. man. Anytime, guys. It was fun. And it Thank def- you guys, it definitely was. And Merry Christmas and a happy holiday to you. Alan, it's been a pleasure seeing you again. Thank you, man. You too. You know, it's <laughs> been absolutely awesome seeing you. Alan, again, I haven't seen you in years, bud. Yeah. Thank you again for coming on,
2: guys. You mentioned Christmas, by the way. Yeah, also my birthday on Christmas Day. Get out of here. Happy birthday to you, bud. Thank you. Turning 31. I'm an old man now. No, you're not. You're just getting better with age. 1988, <laughs> I- baby. That's right. I got yo, I got my first gray hair the other day. I was about to shoot myself in the head, man. No, don't say that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I, got, I got plenty of gray hairs on the side of my head. Come on, who are we kidding?
2: Yeah. On that note,
0: for everybody here at Gotham Podcast Studios, thank you again to Tim Petrip and Alan Stirk for coming on the show. Guys, it was a real, real joy to have you both on. And for my co-host, Sean Thomas, and for the wonderful Mike Ortiz, controlling the ones and twos behind the glass here at Gotham, I am your host, William Trucci, logging out. We will talk to you guys soon. Peace out.